Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. My name is Dean Jones, and this is Season 8, Episode 20. Today I'm airing an episode where I talk to Amisha Gurbani. She's written um, the cookbook Mumbai Modern, and um, she also has a website called Jam Lab, where she has a blog and airs her recipes. I had a great time talking to Amisha, and I've also got to meet her in person and had her at my library at a recent um, program, and you know the public got to meet her and love her, and it was really a great time to talk to her and um, hear about her life and the things that um, she's done in her life, and also you know what came what created the idea of uh, her website Jam Lab and how she came to write the cookbook and about the writing of it. Um, it was a really great conversation, and I'm just going to take you to that now. Uh, this is my conversation with Amisha Gurbani who has the website Jam Lab and modern, Mumbai Modern Vegetarian Recipes Inspired by Indian Roots in California Cuisine. Here we go. Welcome to the Well Seasoned Librarian Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. Today, I'm very excited to have on our program Amisha Gurbani, who is a computer engineer, recipe developer, photographer, and creator of the Jam Lab website. Born in Mumbai, she moved to the United States in 1999. Gurbani's culinary creations are remarkable for their unique flavor pairings and the modernization of her Indian culture. Through her blog and popular Instagram account, Jam Lab, she teaches readers to play the sweet, spicy, sour, and savory flavors inspired by her Indian and Gurajati heritage. She has worked with Sunset Magazine, Wired, Diablo Magazine, Taproot, and Bake from Scratch. She lives in the Bay Area with her family, Amisha, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Dean. Now, you were born in Mumbai. Was there anyone that was like a parent or a parental figure or a relative that inspired you in your cooking when you were younger? Um, absolutely. It was my mother. Uh, she has been the biggest influence in my life uh, where cooking is concerned. Uh, she, uh, I have the most fondest memories of being with her in the kitchen uh, since I was a little baby and um, I she gave me the reins at around eight or nine when she would allow me to help her with her cooking um, and I would just like watch her doing magic in the kitchen and she would whip up these dishes in no time she she just had this natural flair where she would just like just put together dinner so quickly um, she was a homemaker so she literally made breakfast lunch snacks and dinner for us every single day of our life. So um, yeah, she was the biggest influence in my life. Now, everybody's got some kind of a soul food that kind of harkens back to their youth. Um, for me, like it's my grandmother's uh, beans and cornbread. Uh -huh. do, you do you have anything that like make, that you think of when you think of your mother's cooking that kind of harkens to your soul? Oh my God, yes. Um, and actually, um, I wrote a cookbook uh, called Mumbai Modern, mm -hmm. and that was a dedication to her uh, because she has been the biggest influence in my life. And uh, two of the recipes that always take me back to the kitchen where uh, I used to be with her, uh, which is back home in Mumbai. Um, the two recipes are uh, methi thepla, which is like a fenugreek flatbread. Um, it's got all these spices in it. Mm -hmm. um, you make a dough out of it and you roll it out. Um, and the, you just cook it with a little, little bit of oil, 
just like you would uh, any Indian flatbread, like a paratha or a roti. Uh, it is so delicious. And fenugreek is actually one of those greens which is available now in the winter. So I'm looking forward to making it. Um, and the other dish is uh, batita nushak, which is a very quintessential Gujarati uh, dish. Uh, it's a one pot meal. It's made out of just potatoes and spices. You just dump everything into a pot, let it simmer for like 20, 25 minutes and it's done. And it's, you, you, so you take this fenugreek flatbread and you dip it in this potato curry and you eat it. And it's just, just so heartwarming and absolutely delicious. Um, and I share both the recipes in my cookbook because it takes me right back home. That sounds wonderful. I want to try and make that. That sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of two of my favorite dishes. <laughs> Your bio says that the Gujarati heritage inspires you and that you've had a lot of the food um, that you've written about um, is cuisine from where you come from. And it's typically known to be vegetarian. Is that correct? Can you talk about more about this type of food? Yeah, uh, so uh, um, I'm from Bombay uh, or Mumbai, which is in the state of Maharashtra. And just above Maharashtra is the state of Gujarat. That's where my grandparents hail from. And uh, uh, although my parents are from Bombay, um, my grandparents were from Gujarat. And so, of course, there's this Gujarati uh, food influence that is brought into our cooking. Um, the Gujarati food is traditionally uh, vegetarian. So, or actually many of the dishes are vegan too, uh, because just because of the proximity um, or the weather in that area, which uh, cultivates more vegetables. And uh, uh, you have, must have heard, uh, heard of Jainism, which is yeah. one of the uh, faiths that people follow. And yes. they believe in uh, not killing uh, animals, which is called ahimsa. So that's one of the reasons why uh, many of the Gujaratis are vegetarian, although things have changed a lot. And uh, actually, when I was a kid, I used to eat meat uh, up until the age of 10. And then I converted to being a vegetarian because I just couldn't see animals being killed uh, and just eating animals. It just didn't blend with my brain. So uh, that's when I became vegetarian. But uh, that's why predominantly most of the Gujaratis uh, are vegetarian and uh, the state of Gujarat is vegetarian. But like I said, things have changed. Younger cultures, they want to explore more and explore into the meat world. So, um, yeah, things have changed over the years. When I was young, um, in my view of vegetarianism, it was always seemed like punishment food. It was very bland and boring. <laughs> and a lot of it seemed to be very kind of not good. But that's changed over time. And now yeah. like I can go to any vegetarian restaurant and I'm not missing out at all. And with your cookbook specifically, looking right. through that, I can't think of even missing anything because everything you've got there is so wonderful that you. I you you really seem to make it so that you, you're, you're like saying kind of meat is important. Look at this. Look at how you can highlight vegetables and legumes and stuff like that and make them. Yes. So, so spectacular because everything yeah. really pops. Is that, is that, is that something you took and kind of made your own or was this a kind of a hallmark of this type of cooking? Oh, no, it's, it's just, uh, uh, the Gujarati food is focused on vegetables. It's very vegetable focused. So growing up, I, because uh, my whole family was vegetarian, 
uh, we ate a lot of vegetables and I still do. And I uh, cultivate that same habit with my family too, uh, over here in California. So um, growing up, it was whatever was in season is what we ate. Um, it was nothing that was out of season that we ate. So uh, in the winter, root vegetables were predominant. So I have a recipe called Undio in my cookbook, which is very vegetable focused, but it's such a delicious dish. And actually there are no spices in it, uh, no uh, uh, dry spices in it. It's just made of like cilantro, coconut, uh, green chilies, garlic, uh, the fresh green garlic that you get in the winter. So it's just made out of that, but it enhances the flavor of the vegetables and you really don't miss the meat when you eat that then. So it's just, just the focus on vegetables has always been there as part of me uh, since I was growing up as a kid. Now, what would you say would be typical Indian vegetables um, that you would use in your cooking? Like if you went to the store, what would you be filling your basket with? Uh, 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 so typically uh, the ones that are very quintessential, I would say Gujarati are okra. We call them lady fingers or uh, in India or uh, binda is the other, the Indian word for it or the Gujarati word for it. And then of course, potatoes, um, any starchy vegetables uh, are great, like sweet potatoes too. Um, and uh, uh, we have a vegetable called uh, dudhi, which is squash. It's a kind of a squash, which uh, of course we are fortunate here in California that I actually get it at the farmer's market because now the farmers uh, understand that Indians love these vegetables. So they grow all these vegetables, which is fantastic. So when I go to the farmer's market, I'll get fenugreek, which is another very quintessential Gujarati vegetable, uh, which is uh, eaten widely in the winter season. Um, and there's, uh, so I mentioned the squash, and then there is uh, uh, another one, which is called uh, uh, tindora, which is an ivy gourd. It's like such a tiny gourd. I'm not yeah. sure if you've seen it, but uh, it's so tasty. And uh, when you cook it with like the Indian spices, and it's actually one of my favorite vegetables to eat. Um, pick it up with the uh, flat, flat bread and it's it's just so heartwarming so it's really good I had grown up with okra as fried okra or in gumbo I had never really seen yeah. any other preparations for it but looking at Indian right. cooking I, it just really makes okra pop it, it makes really like exciting whereas before I was kind of like it's okay but I never got excited about it and now when I look at yeah. some of the recipes I've seen you do I'm like wow okra can be pretty cool so I yeah. like that yeah okra is like uh, we have like Two kinds of preparation. There are actually about two, three kinds of preparations. There's one with you just cook it with the spice, uh, the spices, and the other one is uh, you stuff it with like a peanut and coconut uh, filling, and oh, it's wow. so delicious. A that peanut, coconut, and spices. Yeah, you just fill it, and then you like sort of like let the steam cook it, and it mm -hmm. becomes like crispy, crunchy, but yes, delicious. So when did you know that you wanted to be a food writer? I mean, just talking to you, I could see you have a passion for it. But when did you kind of think, you know what, I want to write about this? Where, where did that happen for you? Um, I think I just, um, people put a, a lot of emphasis on meat. Um, and uh, my husband eats meat. Uh, so um, I've been trying to convert him for 17 years. <laughs> but it's not worked. But uh, <laughs> I, I love I love vegetables and I want people to 
understand that vegetables are not boring and you can do so much out of produce like just vegetables and fruits and uh, uh, actually when my when my kids were babies uh, under the age of one and when I started feeding them solids at the age of five um, I started giving them a pureed vegetables but I would put spices in it I would put like a coriander powder and cumin powder and a little bit of garam masala and a little bit of turmeric uh, so that they are not eating bland baby food. Why does baby food need to be bland? So, I have no idea. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I spiked it with spices and they loved it. Uh, so I can see that they still love uh, vegetables. They still love fruit, uh, food, any kinds of fruits. Uh, they're 11 and 13. And um, I'm, I'm, I attribute that to my uh, constant, constant uh, enforcing of eating vegetables and fruits. And I think as to be a food writer, I just wanted to emphasize that over and over that you can get flavor out of uh, vegetables and fruits. You can get flavor out of Indian food and it does not have to be complicated. People think Indian food is complicated, but actually it's not. It's just a matter of five, six spices that you put together along with some vegetable and it becomes this absolutely different dish, which is so delicious. So that's what I wanted to always talk about. So when I got the opportunities, uh, such as writing the cookbook or um, uh, having an article for uh, uh, being a columnist for SF Chronicle, I was thrilled because I was like, now I can voice out my uh, love and passion for vegetables and fruits and have people eat them too uh, and not have it be boring, like you mentioned. Your writing profile has been very high. Not only are you a regular contributor to the San Francisco Chronicle, you have a bi-weekly column with them, but you've written for some amazing publications. There's the prestigious Sunset Magazine, Wired, Diablo Magazine, Taproot and Bake from Scratch. All of these are very high profile magazines. What has it been like for you seeing your work um, being taken into these publications and having a regular column? Has it been exciting for you to kind of see your name in, in, in publication like this? Yeah, I think just coming here as an immigrant, uh, you know, 22, 23 years ago, and just uh, having been felt accepted that, yes, my work is valuable to these different publications has been uh, kind of uplifting for the work that I'm doing and how I'm, how it is being perceived by other people. So uh, I think that gives me more confidence and uh, more, uh, what you call it, like a zest and zeal that I want to like showcase it more. I want to talk about food more. And just, I think, I think when the passion shows, you get more opportunities. That's how I, uh, that's how I see it. Now, we were talking about the, uh, the article for the SF Chronicle that you have, um, you know, bi-weekly. That must have been amazing for you. Uh, and like, you know, it really, everybody's reading it, you know, millions of people are reading this article online and yeah. you know, through the paper. How has this been for you? And, and, and what, have you had a lot of feedback from it from local people and local chefs? So uh, what I do is, um, I, uh, yes, I, I have a bi-weekly column with SF Chronicle. And every time I, uh, the recipe is online uh, uh, on the digital platform, um, I publish it on my Instagram. And then I have all the local people and they'll be like, oh, wow, this sounds amazing. Like I've not seen something so unique and uh, I want to make it. And 
um, I'll give you an example. So for Diwali, which was a couple of weeks ago, yes. uh, I published a recipe uh, for pear burfi bars um, in Asaf Chronicle. So um, burfi is essentially like an Indian dessert, which is made out of like milk powder, milk, cardamom, nutmeg. Um, and I changed it to, of course, include California influence in it, which is adding pears, pureed pears. Ooh. So uh, it, you get like that subtle pear flavor, but pears are so sweet. So you cut back on the sugar in, in the interim. So you're getting the natural sugars from the pear. So that was the whole concept behind it. And then uh, the base of the pear barfi bar was like a ginger shortbread. So I wanted to infuse like um, a Western uh, cookie with like the Indian mitai. So that's what I did. Um, so it's like a ginger, ginger shortbread uh, because ginger and pear is such a fantastic combination. It's like a match made in heaven. So that's what I did with the pear barfi bar. Um, so I published it online and then people actually, so many people made the recipe and they gave me feedback that um, I made this recipe and it was fantastic. So I think I've gotten a lot of uh, accolades from that perspective that people have made it and people have enjoyed it and people actually shared it with their friends and family. So that was very special to me. Um, and I think, like I said, like it just makes my work worthwhile when people are enjoying the food that I share. This episode is sponsored by Culinary Historians of Northern California, a Bay Area educational group dedicated to the study of food, drink, and culture in human history. To learn more about this organization and their work, please visit their website at www.ch norcal.org when did you uh write the uh website uh, jam lab did that come before your writing or after oh it came before i started uh the website in 2016 uh, um uh, 2016 and uh it was just as a way of sharing my heritage sharing my uh, uh the gujarati cuisine that i grew up with um, I wanted to share the flavor combinations, just a way of like sharing whatever you want about food um, and sharing the recipes. Uh, that's how I started it. Um, and and it just, I think because of the photography, because of the recipes, um, I started getting a lot of uh, brand work from different companies. And then of course, publications started approaching me too. Now, when people usually put out a website, you don't know if you're going to get, you know, a lot of pings, you don't know if you're going to get a lot of response. So when you started receiving that response and, and getting a lot of uh, public acclaim for it, was that, how did you feel about that? Was Were you surprised? Were you gratified? I was gratified. I was just like, uh, people are making my recipes. People are enjoying uh, the flavor combinations that I'm coming up with. People are uh, appreciating this. And and that gives you the boost to do more. And that gives you the boost to come up with different recipes and put it out there for people to enjoy. My, my whole goal is that I just want people to cook, uh, cook, cook at home, cook from their heart, cook for your friends and family and use the recipes and share the love of Indian food. That's my whole, uh, uh, the, my whole dream that more and more people are cooking Indian food because it's so delicious. Now, your book, Mumbai Modern, came out in 2021 to much acclaim. 
what was the conceptualization process like for you? Like what kind of prompted you to write the book and how did you kind of pitch it to um, a publisher or did they come to you first? Uh, no, actually I went, uh, the cookbook Mumbai Modern is something that I always had in mind. Um, uh, I've always wanted to share my traditional Gujarati recipes along with like modern uh, infused recipes such as uh, I have like a samosa caramelized onion uh, fontina tart um, in my cookbook, which is a really delicious recipe. Samosa is just like the quintessential triangle uh, pastry with stuffed with potatoes and peas, uh, but I just um, gave it like a modern twist uh, by using caramelized onions, fontina cheese on a puff pastry. So it comes together really quickly. You don't have to do any frying, which I know many people are uh, not too comfortable with. So that's what I came up with. So I wanted to do um, tradition, uh, traditional dishes with modern dishes. And of course I had to have a big dessert chapter because I love making desserts. So um, uh, most of my desserts are fusion desserts. Uh, and people love the desserts. So uh, actually people have asked if I would be writing a second cookbook uh, with only desserts. So that would be my next step. But uh, for Mumbai Modern, it was all about putting all these things together and talking about my upbringing and talking about, again, uh, my love for vegetables and fruits, showcasing the California produce. So just from an angle of uh, Indian roots with California, uh, produce in the cookbook. So that's what I put out. Um, in terms of uh, how I got the cookbook deal, it was, uh, I went through a literary agent because I always wanted to write a cookbook um, and dedicate it to my mother. Um, so I went through the literary agent. Uh, we put together a book, cookbook proposal and uh, uh, she pitched it out to about uh, five to six publishers. And there was one that came back uh, that was Countryman Press that said that they wanted to, they were really excited about this concept and they wanted to go ahead with the cookbook. So uh, that's what we did. Uh, that's how the cookbook deal came into fruition. Now, I, I the first thing I noticed about the cookbook, of course, which anybody would notice is that it's a really beautiful cookbook. The Thank photography you. is just fantastic. And it really everything really looks very special and really good color combinations and everything just looks really delicious. Were you concerned about that going in? I know that you did half of the food photography and food styling. Was that something you really wanted to make sure you had a hand in when you started? Yeah, um, I think because my cookbook is so produce heavy um, and uh, I was literally cooking seasonally as and when the produce was in season. So for example, I have a squash blossom recipe in my cookbook. Squash blossoms are available for two months in the entire year. So I had to make sure that I do the photography for the squash blossoms and not leave it uh, for the food photographer to, to take care of it because uh, what the food photographer and food stylists do is uh, when they shoot, they take a bunch of recipes and they shoot it within a 10 day period. Uh, and it's all done within that period. So whatever is available in that season is what you're going to uh, cook with. Or of course there are specialized markets which have 
produce all year round. But squash blossoms was something that was not going to be available all year round. So I had to shoot it. And I wanted a hand in uh, the food photography in the cookbook because I love shooting desserts. So many of the desserts are shot by me. Um, there were some shots which I was not too confident with and that those were the shots that I gave to the food photographer as in uh, just like how do you shoot a cilantro chutney for example do you just put the chutney in a jar and shoot it it would look so boring yeah uh, the food photographer did like a really good job of showcasing the ingredients along with the chutney which shows the texture of the chutney but as well as the ingredients that go into it so I think they did a really good job in conceptualizing those kind of shoots uh, which I was not confident about. But then I was confident with like the dessert shoots or some of the other um, savory dishes. So those are the ones that I shot. So that's how I uh, sort of parsed out what I was good at and what I was not confident with. And that's the ones that I gave to the food photographer. You were very, um, you were very um, specific in typing a lot of this cooking as Gujarati uh, cooking. I keep, I keep hoping I'm pronouncing this right. If I'm not, I apologize. Um, oh, no, Gujarati. <laughs> yeah, sorry. And I um, I was reading somebody today on Twitter and they had made a comment. There was a previous guest, uh, Lily Ramirez Foran. Uh, the Irish Times had written an article about uh, Mexican food and they, they showed tacos. And she was just like, come on. She goes, we're a huge country and we have different types of food from all different regions. It's like when nobody ever says European food, right? They always say French food, German food, right. Swiss food, whatever. Yeah. Nobody ever says European food. And like Europeans would blanch if they just said, oh, here's some spaghetti and some Swedish meatballs. It's typical of, you know, European cooking. But when people talk about Indian cooking, they often just kind of do this cross section right. of stuff and say, this is Indian cooking. Does that ever kind of like irritate you because oh, there are different regions? Lot. Oh my goodness. It bothers me a lot. Uh, uh, it irritates me because when people go out to restaurants, what they know is South Indian food, which could be dosas, idlis, sambar, you know, um, or North Indian food, which is like paneer tikka, masala, or butter chicken, naan, and raita. That's what, uh, that's what is predominantly out there in restaurants. There's this two, two types of cuisines. Uh, and they're generalized, like it's South Indian food. But actually, South Indian food is, uh, there are about five states in South India. Right. And they all each have their regional cuisines. And each of them is so beautiful. There, Of course, there is intermingling because they're bordering states. So there will be intermingling of uh, ingredients or the way something is cooked, uh, techniques. But they still have their own dishes that they are proud of and that they are known for. So uh, it happens with the entire India. Like we have like so many states in the country and each state has their own regional cuisine. Um, some are more popular, some are less popular. Like the North Indian um, cuisine is more popular amongst um, non-Indians, I would say. So uh, it's generalized into, like I mentioned, the chicken tikka masala or butter chicken, naan. But actually, even in North India, they have all these different regional cuisines, uh, which people don't talk about. So that's why it was very important for me to put uh, Gujarati cuisine in my cookbook, because that's the region I'm from and people don't know about it. And I want to spread the message about it. <laughs> 
I know that many um, people, when they when they attempt to cook Indian food, they 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 really mess it up the spices. Do you have any tips for somebody who's approaching Indian cooking as a novice and wants to use the spices correctly? Uh, yeah. Um, so masala dabba is something that um, every Indian person has in their household. And uh, yeah, it may be difficult for everyone to have it, but it's just uh, so convenient because it's a masala dabba with like the seven little containers inside it in a circle. Um, it's like a circular box with like these containers inside and each of the containers has the spices which are essential for Indian cooking. Yeah. So you have like uh, the way Indian cooking, uh, the way I can break it down is for making a very simple Indian dish, I would say, uh, first step is tempering. So you want to temper like the whole spices like mustard seeds, cumin seeds, asafoetida, which is hing, uh, and may or may not be curry leaves, which are the fresh curry leaves that you get in any Indian store. Um, yes. And again, it's not important, but it adds flavor to the dish. Uh, so that's the first step, you add the tempering. Then once the tempering is done, then you add the uh, vegetables. Uh, whichever vegetable. So say if you're adding okra, you're cutting the okra and putting it in. And then you add the dry spices on the top. So there are uh, five essential dry spices, this cumin powder, coriander powder, this turmeric, red chili powder, garam masala. Those are the five essential spices. And those are the five that you put. Um, it's more or less the same quantity, I would say, except for the red chili powder, which depends on your spice level. You may want to add less or more of. Um, I like it spicy, so I usually add one teaspoon of all the five spices. So it's it's just tempering, add the vegetable, add the spices, let it cook, cl close the lid, let it cook. And after 20 minutes, you get this amazing vegetable to eat. Do you have any um, recipes from Mumbai Modern? I know this is a hard question to answer, but are there any that particularly stand out for you that are your favorites? Um. Favorites. I have a lot of favorites. Or that you'd like to encourage somebody to try? Uh, I would say the potato curry, which is the batita nushak, which is the one I mentioned uh, previously. So someone who's not ever cooked Indian food, that's the first uh, one pot dish that I always recommend people to try. Because it's super easy. You're putting everything into a pot and then you're letting it simmer and you get this dish ready in like 25 minutes, 20 to 25 minutes, it's done. Um, and it's super delicious. But, um, and the other one is the other simple one, uh, which I would say is the pao bhaji sliders. Uh, pao bhaji is like uh, an Indian street food. It's a Mumbai street food. Um, you get it like at every nook and corner by selling, you know, the street vendors are selling it. Um, and it literally has just uh, two spices. There's pao bhaji masala and there's red chili powder. Um, the pao bhaji masala is something that you can get at any Indian grocery store or you can get it online too nowadays. Uh, but it's just like a bunch of vegetables. It's very healthy. Uh, it's a bunch of, bunch of vegetables which are steamed and then you mash it up and uh, put in these spices along with some onions, garlic, uh, butter, and that's it. It's that easy again a dish which comes together very easily and just do spices so if anyone who is starting with indian cooking i recommend these two dishes those sound both sound great 
I wanted to ask you about your Etsy shop where you sell jam. I'm a big jam maker myself, so I, I always oh, love yeah. talking about this. So tell us about your Etsy shop and the jam that you sell there. Oh, actually, I stopped my Etsy shop. A few oh, no, years. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we can I, still yeah. talk about it. What kind of jam did you make for it? Oh, I, 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 so I started off again because I did not like the jams in the market. They were just not... Uh, the sugar content was so high. The fruit yeah. didn't taste right. Um, and we get such beautiful produce here in California. Yeah. So I started getting like the organic produce from the markets, uh, the strawberries, the fresh uh, apricots, you know, plums in the plum season. Um, and I would make the jams myself. And my kids used to eat a lot of peanut butter and jelly. So uh, I didn't want them to eat the store-bought jams. So that's why I started making jams. And I started selling them because they were... Uh, well received by friends and family when I would share my jams with them so that's how I started my shop actually but then it was not um, sustainable so I, I had to shut my shop down uh, yeah. but the flavors I would make are um, one of my favorite flavors is actually blood orange and rosemary marmalade which is oh wow so that sounds so good that sounds really it's good oh so delicious and I actually have shared the recipe in my cookbook because it's one of my favorite jams I love having it uh, with cheese and crackers in the winter season. And I mm. love serving it like on a, on a cheese board um, during the holidays too. So it's one of my favorite jams to make and then gift to friends and family. Oh, that sounds amazing. And, yeah. And the other one that I have in my cookbook is apricot and saffron, which Ooh. is so delicious. Again, another really good jam to have uh, on a cheese board because uh, you get like the floral touch from the saffron and then apricot is so like uh, tart and sweet at the same time. Uh, it's just a fantastic combination with cheese and crackers. So that's that another sounds, one. That sounds so good. Yeah. Thank you. What food and writers inspire you today? Who do you like to read? I know that you, I read in an article that, you know, you read largely cookbooks. So who do you, who do you like to read? Uh, cookbooks, it's been, um, I've not been reading much lately because I've just not had the time, mm -hmm. but um, um, I think maybe this question we can just, just. Let's skip over that. Yeah, skip it. Yeah, because um, I, I, I didn't have, have time to think about the food writers that I'm excited about right now, so. Okay, sure. I'll take that yeah. out. Um. I wanted to ask you, this wasn't on the list, but I wanted to ask you, um, and we can cut this out if you don't want to, but I'll just go right to the question. You live in the Bay Area, as do I. Um, are there any restaurants that you like to go to in the Bay Area that are your favorites? Um, Indian restaurants or? No, anything. Other... Yeah, anything. Yeah, anything at all. Oh, uh, I have a few, actually. Um, we love Duende in Oakland mm -hmm. uh, because... Uh, again, being a vegetarian, it's always hard to get a good paella. And they have a really good vegetarian paella. And they always make it seasonal with seasonal vegetables, whatever's in season. So in summer, you'll get like the asparagus, peas. Uh, and in the winter, they'll probably put like delicate squash or some other winter vegetables. So it's really good. So that's a, a favorite. Um, the other one we really like is roux, uh, which is in Palo Alto. Uh, I believe there's one in San Francisco too. I'm not quite sure, uh, but it's a really good Indian restaurant. They have really good Indian food. Um, uh, the, the, the flavors are a bit Americanized, I would say, a little bit, uh, 
not on the spicy side, but they have really good flavors and really innovative recipes, which is fun to take a look at always. Nice. Um, uh, the other one is um, Delfina. <laughs> we love the pizza at Delfina. Oh yeah, I've heard, I've heard of Delfina. That's a popular place. Yeah, yeah. And actually um, San Ramon, the Bishop Ranch has a lot of good restaurants. So we go there too quite often. Oh yeah, I love uh, I love so many great restaurants in San Ramon where I work. It's just really a fun place to kind of seek out places to eat. I always kind of like inviting people to come visit me there and kind of trying new places because I feel like I'm never going to lose no matter where we go to. So we always yeah. have a good time. And, and I think it's it's San Ramon's really grown in the past few years where a lot of rest, new restaurants have come up over there. So it's good to see, uh, you know, all the different uh, uh, new places that have come up. So I wanted to ask you as a last question, what's next for you? Um, uh, at the moment, I'm, I'm busy with the bi-weekly column uh, with uh, San Francisco Chronicle, which is called Modern Vegetarian. Um, I, had, uh, I have a cookie recipe coming out with Washington Post, which I'm really excited about. Wow. As of, yeah, as part of their, uh, uh, the cookies that they do in December, uh, they do a whole post with like about 10, 12 cookies. Uh, some part of that gang. So I'm, I'm really excited uh, that that's coming out soon. And um, apart from that, um, I do a lot of brand work. And uh, uh, as next, next steps, I would love to write a second cookbook. Um, I'm not there yet, but uh, that would be my next step to put together a second cookbook. And that would be a dessert cookbook because I know my fans and followers are looking for a dessert cookbook from me. So that's what I would uh, go for next. Amisha, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. I've really enjoyed getting a chance to talk to you. And I don't know if, if as of the uh, recording of this, you and I have yet to actually see each other face to face. You'll be coming to uh, our library Doherty station uh, next week. Uh, and then we will have the podcast episode air the Monday after. So we'll have you, uh, I'll, I'll be seeing you in person next week. Yeah, I look forward to meeting you in person, Dean. And uh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This was like, a, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank, thank you for taking time out of your Sunday to be on the podcast. Yeah. I really appreciate it. That was my interview with author Amisha Gurbani, who has the website Jam Lab, which we have a link to in the bio. And she has the new cookbook out, Mumbai Modern. And it's a really wonderful uh, cookbook. And as we stated before, um, you know, it's available for anybody. Um, it's very easy to use and she has very accessible recipes. I highly recommend it. Uh, many of the things I've tried from it are really delicious and um, you're gonna really love it. Just give it a shot. On Monday, we're gonna have Catherine Bab Magira on the program. She has the book, uh, Poe for Your Problems out and um, it's a wonderful book. I had a great time talking to Catherine. Um, she's a wonderful guest, and I just could have talked to her for like five hours. And we were talking about all sorts of things from Poe to Mary Shelley, so it was a really great conversation. Check that out, and I hope you all had a great week. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and had a lot of really wonderful things to cook. I will uh, talk to you next week. Keep on cooking.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you.